You know, those angels spoke of good tidings that would be great joy, right? Great joy to all people. And the people they were speaking to were people living under the oppression of Rome and walking in darkness. And they promised that they would find and see a great light. I can relate, can't you? This last year has felt like a time of darkness and gloom. It has felt like a time of unbelievable fear and anxiety and frustration, constant disruption, exhaustion, and constant change. In short, 2020 has been, as they say, a dumpster fire. I mean, if I was to tell you last year that the highest grossing movie of 2020 would be a re-release of Hocus Pocus, would you believe it? Or let's not forget Netflix's Tiger King. I asked Kenny if he'd write a song about 2020, and, and he said no. He said nothing rhymes with ARG. And I can't believe it's been only a year since we've been together. Only a year. Feels like seven years since we celebrated a candlelight service together as a family. That's probably because this March, April, and May each had like 742 days this year in 2020. But if you felt the weight of walking in darkness and the challenges of this year, you're in good company. Because God's people have walked through seasons of darkness all through history, and God has promised them a great light. So I'd like you to join me as I tell you their story. We're going to go back to a long, long time ago in a land far, far away where there was an ancient light bearer, and his name was Isaiah. And Isaiah spoke of a prophecy. And he put the clues on how to find the light to a people walking in darkness. He put clues, almost like a treasure map, on how to find the great light. But that prophecy was lost, buried in a cave for hundreds of years. And then they came across those predictions. They found it in a cave known as Qumran. And it was in the cave of Qumran after hundreds of years of these predictions being lost, that someone snuck into the cave. Come with me into the cave. Imagine finding this treasure map, like a prism, to show you where and what is the light that God promised. Where could we find it? For many in history would claim to have the light. Is it the light of divinity in each one of us? Would Gandhi have the light? Would Buddha have the light? Would Jesus have the light? Would Muhammad have the light? He gave specific clues, a prism, for knowing exactly where and what the light is. It began with where. Where do you find the light? Where is the light going to be located? Where is it going to be found? And that light could be found in a specific place, in a specific time in history. The light of hope. Isaiah begins in a very interesting way. He says, that light you've been longing for, that light you've been looking for, he says, nevertheless, the gloom. Nevertheless, the gloom has come upon us. And in, in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Naphtali that you have lightly esteemed, you will find the light. But for now you live in the land of gloom, but it will not last forever, though it is a time of being heavily oppressed. 
We spent much time in the land of gloom. It's in the land of gloom we forget, we give up that there even is a light. What a great way to describe it. The land of gloom. A time of fear and anxiety and chaos. If you'd ask those living in Isaiah's time, they would describe the gloom with the, with the term the Assyrian Empire that had taken their homes and taken their family and taken over their land. But it was a land of gloom. And they'd given up hope on God or hope that the light would ever come again. Yet God said, I am going to send you a light and you shall find the light. Look over the horizon. It will come to the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. To which we're like, well, that's kind of weird words. I don't ever use those words. I don't even have any idea what that means. But to the original here, they knew exactly what that meant. That was a specific location to look for the light. See, their great, 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 great grandpa's name was Israel. And he had 12 sons. And those 12 sons were given a promise they would one day have some land. When they came into the land under Joshua, they divided up the land of Israel amongst those 12 sons' names. And two of those sons were given the northwest quadrant of Israel, a son named Zebulun and a son named Naphtali. Isaiah was predicting, if you want to find the light, he's going to be in that area right around the Sea of Galilee. That's where you'll find the light. Meanwhile, the people are sitting in darkness in the land of gloom. If you sat in the land of gloom this year, I have. Felt discouraged or alone or depressed or irritated or frustrated, <laughs> all the above. Wondering how could God possibly be good if he allowed this level of chaos into my life? And God says, when you're living in the land of gloom, don't give up on the light. Look to the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. It's not just a light of hope, it's also a light of light, a light of life. He says, in that area of Zebulun, look to the Galilee of Galilees for the people who walk in darkness and they have seen a great light. For though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they have seen a light come upon them and shined. This galley of Galilee, the word galley literally means a district. There was a district within that land that had been tossed away or thrown off. King Solomon gave away 10 cities, said, we don't even want that area anymore in Israel. And he gave those 10 cities away to the Gentiles, to the non-believing, don't even believe in the same God people, the Gentiles in that galley. It was the forgotten land. It was the cast off land. It was that we don't have anything to do with that land land. The Galilee of the Gentiles who didn't even believe in their God. And God was going to send a light to the galley of the Gentiles? And do you notice the phrase, the valley of the shadow of death? Maybe you recognize that from a funeral. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me, Emmanuel. The word in Hebrew can mean death or doubts. When you walk through valleys of doubts or death, God shines his light of life into the valley of death. Well, fast forward with me from 500 BC to zero AD. There's another ancient light bearer and his name is Simeon. 
And Simeon has been waiting for the light. He's been waiting for God to fulfill these predictions that he would finally bring light into the darkness. And now it's the darkness of Rome. And one day while at temple, a couple walks through the doors. It's been eight days since his circumcision. And this couple is holding a child. And they place this child into the hands of Simeon. And he looks up into the heavens and says, your servant can die in peace. For I have seen the comfort of the, consol- the, 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 the comfort of consolation of Israel. For this child is the light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Huh. He'd been reading Isaiah's clues. This couple would quickly move. After being born in Bethlehem, they would spend two years in in that area before wise men from the east came and say, we saw his light in the, and we know a king is born. Yet they were talking to the king, King Herod, and King Herod was the new king of the gloom, the gloom of the Roman empire, and he tried to extinguish the light. But an angel appeared to them and told them to run, run from the king of gloom and find your way to Egypt. And they ran to Egypt 500 miles. And after the king of gloom had died, he said, return. And they came back. But see, he was born in a manger, and that manger was like a, a stone trough that you might, you might put the water for your animals. That's where he was born in Bethlehem. When the king of gloom, Herod, tried to kill the light, extinguish the light, God sent them 500 miles by foot. That's like you and I walking from here to Washington, D.C. with a two-year-old. And when they got there, this was a reminder of Egypt, of a time of gloom in their past where God had exited his people and called them out and brought the light when they were caught in Egyptian bondage. And they walked 500 more miles for King Herod had died. But when they arrived there, Joseph said, we need to hide out. Let's not go to Bethlehem and let's not go to Jerusalem. Let's hide out in the Northwest Territory in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Naphtali, in the Galilee of Galilees. And there he stayed in Nazareth. And he would spend his life here in Nazareth in the very area predicted 500 years in advance. He would call his disciples from the Sea of Galilee. He would walk on the Sea of Galilee. He would feed the the multitudes from the Sea of Galilee just like the ancient light bearer had predicted. God wanted you to know there are signs and specifics to believe, to know who and where is the light. Reminds me when I first came to Cincinnati 18 years ago, I saw signs everywhere that said, visit Mammoth Caves. Couldn't get away from the signs. And I ignored them for 18 years until just last summer. Last summer... We finally made it down to Mammoth Caves. And they are mammoth, gigantic. The ceilings are higher than this building is tall. They go a quarter mile in one direction and a half mile deep into another. They got light for the tourists now, but in the 1800s, you couldn't even see your hand next to your face. And George Gateway, a pastor, decided to start a church in those caves. Everyone would bring in their kerosene lanterns and they would walk a half mile deep into that one section of the cave 
and he would have them seated in the dark. He would take all their lanterns and walk 40, 50 feet up in the air to what he called pulpit rock. He would place their lanterns before his feet and he would, he would preach about God being the light of the world with, with shadows dancing behind him and the black soot still covering the ceiling even to this day. This is where we need to have a church, he said, for God is the light that pierces the darkness. His forgiveness can overcome shame. His joy can overcome hopelessness. And he preached for hours, they say, in the darkness of Mammoth Cave. He wanted his people to know that light pierces best in the darkest environment. If you go deeper into that cave, you'll find they set up a hospital in that cave. A hospital in the darkness? A church in the darkness? the light of hope and the light of life in the valley of the shadow of death. But it wasn't just where the light would come, it's what would this light be? What is it that would bring us joy and happiness? So when they came to Qumran, they opened up that scroll. It continued and said, upon them a light has shined. They rejoice before you. It increased your joy. You need your joy increased? I know I do. The gloom has taken the joy away. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. What is this light? It's joy. It's rejoying yourself. It's the joy that comes from a hard day's work when all the harvest comes in. It's the joy of multiplying the nation. Is it political power? It's the joy of dividing the spoil, the spoils of war. Yes, the joy. What would make me happy would be more power, more money, more comfort, better circumstances. That must be what the light is. It's what I need. But what he says next is so shocking. The light is not a what? The light that you and I need is a who. It's not better circumstances. It's not a vaccine. It's not money or power. All good things. But what's going to bring you and I joy, he says in the next word, is for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government, the empire, the kingdom will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What a collection of antonyms. He's a son and a father. He's born, he has a beginning, and yet he's everlasting. How could all of these things be one thing? They're all what you'll find in the light for God himself came to earth exactly where he predicted and exactly to be who you needed. If you've been discouraged in the land of gloom, look into the light of this child. He is a wonderful counselor. He knows your needs better than you know them yourself. He listens. He offers comfort and appreciation, encouragement, respect. He is a wonderful counselor. He's also an everlasting father. 
and the temporal ups and downs in life, don't you want something everlasting to anchor your, your hope to? He is an everlasting father. If your father did a bad job, he's the father you longed for. If your father did a great job teaching you how to be loved, this is where those attributes came from, the everlasting father. Or maybe this season in the gloom you've longed for peace, shalom. In this child, he is the prince of peace. In him is that peace that transcends understanding, that peace that can guard your heart and mind. What you need this Christmas, what all of us need in the land of gloom is God himself, his light piercing into our darkness and being near, being Emmanuel. Of all the challenges people in our church have faced this year, my friends Stacy and Justin have faced more than most. And yet they have seen God's light of hope and courage shine forth in the darkest of circumstances. I got a chance to perform their wedding ceremony four or five years ago, maybe six now. But about 18 months ago, I walked out of a church service and Justin and Stacy came up and said, could you pray for us? And I said, sure. What's going on? And Justin said, uh, I found out I have ALS and it's starting to develop. And things have escalated, and during COVID, they've escalated quite significantly. And I called up Stacy, and I was talking with her, and she shared this note with me when I said, how is God being your light in the midst of these circumstances? She said, believe it or not, there are positives to having ALS. A terminal illness makes you grateful for every little Thing. Even things you wouldn't think to be grateful for. Grateful for renovating our first floor so Justin won't fall down the stairs anymore. Grateful for a ramp on our front door so he can safely leave. Grateful for a brand new communication device so he can type with his eyes because his fingers don't move anymore. I feel God's light in the little reminders to let gratitude win. On days my caretaking feels so hard and overwhelming, I'm reminded it's a privilege to take care of others the way Jesus takes care of us. When signs of Justin's decline are all around me, his light shows me that a wheelchair is actually a gift of mobility. God gives me just enough light to make it through another day. If God's light can pierce through the darkness of that kind of hopeless circumstance, don't you want that kind of strength and that kind of hope and that kind of light in your life as well? Invite the light of the past into your present. Invite the light of this child into the shadows of your own doubts and the shadows of your own hearts. Whether it's the shadows of, of darkness, whether it's the sharp shadows of, of, of death, whether it's the, the valley of doubts, Invite his hope and light to come and to pierce into your heart and to give you the strength you need as you face these difficult days of gloom. Would you pray with me? Maybe you just want to say these words to God in your own heart. God, I invite your light into my heart. 
Thank you for coming from heaven to earth to be my hope and to be my life. Thank you for dying on that cross to pay for what I've done wrong. And I invite you to be my Emmanuel, God with me. I invite you to be the light of my world. In Jesus' name, amen.